DJ and PK, it's time now to welcome in Tim Lacombe, former Utah and BYU basketball staffer, Utah Jazz radio studio analyst on pre-half and post-game shows. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Tim, good morning. Good morning. We have not spoken in a while since uh, basketball shut down, and you were uh, you were on a little bit of an odyssey, and then all of a sudden everything came to a stop. Yeah, I was on an odyssey. I um, actually was back in, in ACC country. I went back for my first ACC tournament and uh, got off the plane in Greensboro about the time they said no more fans at the games, which was kind of a drag. Um. And then next morning woke up and they went ahead and shut the whole thing down. So I don't know. I I tend to have an impact like that on on things and people when I try to go out and do stuff, you know. So it's better if I'm home, sheltering in place. Without the tournament, obviously it's a big blow to all of us because we love watching it. Doesn't matter who we are, what we're rooting for. It's just something that is woven within our American sports fabric without question. And it's unique to us. Nobody else has anything close to it. I don't think they have any college sports anywhere, maybe up in Canada. some. But we've been hearing about that, uh, okay, the spring sports, they can get this year back. Winter sports, they've been saying, well, maybe they would consider it. I, I really don't see where there's any way that the, the spring sports can get the, or excuse me, the winter sports can get the year back. I think it would be too complicated do you see any way, and are you in favor of it? Well, I think that, I mean, I agree with you from the outside looking in. It looks pretty complicated. Um, I really think that, simply put, I think if there were some sort of, uh, you know, waiver written in for next year for guys who ended up wanting to stay around, because I don't think, I mean, I, I even think in a local case here, you know, you look at Sam, Merrill at Utah State, Yoli, um, and and Jake and TJ. I mean, all those guys are a little bit older. They've been here a while. You know, it comes right down to it. How long? How many of them would stick around for another year or two? Because uh, guys got life as well. But, um, I, I think it could be done, but you're right. BK would be pretty complicated, um, and probably have an impact going forward. So probably one of those things is as much as you'd like to do and see that for the kids i don't know if it's feasible to be able to do it in the uh, land of unintended consequences uh there are many of them i'm sure but one that jumped out at me right away is well then the kids who are juniors never really get to be seniors because they got all these seniors over here still being seniors it seems like there's a trickle-down impact on other players from playing time to shots to not being bmoc so sounds pretty complicated i'm with you yeah yeah it's uh it's just one of those things in theory would be awesome um but then when you start trying to figure out because you know some teams like byu this year had seven seniors or something crazy like that um when you start waving you're giving that many waivers and then rosters get out of whack and it affects your recruiting and yeah it just seems a little nutty Plus two, you got teams like Utah who literally finished their season. Why should their well? They didn't have any seniors of note. I get that, but just using that as an example, why should any of those seniors get the year back when they already had the season? So I don't think they do it. Nor should I. 
think they should do it, but I don't have any problem with the spring sports. But there's been all these restrictions on recruiting. How do you think that's going to affect recruiting with all these things that are going on in a lot of different sports that have been curtailed? Yeah, it's. I mean, I can speak to basketball because uh, you know the minute that you get done with your season, there's obviously a, a window during the final four that's dead, so that they kind of keep that on equal footing. Um, you know, if teams are in the final four or a lot of coaches go back to the final four for convention at the end of the year, they wanted to keep that kind of blocked off. So there's a period of time during that week that is dead. But other than that, now this is this last week was supposed to be the, the national junior college tournament, which is back in Hutchinson, Kansas every year. And it's an awesome tournament. But you can go back there and, you know, find guys that maybe slipped through the cracks. Um, you're obviously going out to schools and and now with transfers as big as they are, you know, transfer guys hit the portal and they were able to come out and do a visit. So all that stuff now is out and you're going to have to do all of that stuff for the foreseeable future, um, you know, on on the phone or video conference, you got to get creative. So uh, that's kind of the, the challenge at hand. And, and many of the staffs, like I was talking to, guys both at BYU and Utah this last week and um, they they were telling me they can't even go in the office, you know, so even if no one else is there, they, they pretty much quarantine those offices, so they're doing it all kind of remotely from one another and from, from all their guys, so it's, it's an interesting time for sure. How would you advise a player to work out now? Because normally they'd be working out, but there's just all kinds of limitations. High school gyms are closed up, they can't get to those. Uh, you know, belonging to some club, going to some gym there. You, you can't do that. What would you tell a player? Get really creative. Um, you know, find somebody that maybe has a key to a church that you could slide in. I mean, I was I was, I was the king of that, actually. Growing up, I didn't ever have keys, but I'd kind of leave a block of, of wood in one of the windows so I could sneak through, you know. Got to be creative. Um but more than that, I think more more than anything, they just got to continue to, you know, it's hard. It's hard. You guys are probably seeing it. Um, you know, I've, I've been such a picture of health for many years, but this coronavirus little break, man, I'm starting to kind of throw a little weight. So um, it's it's just kind of an interesting time where guys got to get creative about how they work out, where they work out. Um, you know, like you say, gyms are shut down, so got to be an inside job you got to know somebody that knows somebody can get you in somewhere so this van Komen kid out of utah put his name in the transfer portal uh is byu a possibility and you may have been involved in the recruiting of it what was going on there um i was yeah so i've watched matt play a ton um you know matt's obviously a great player um, you know, more than anything, it just came down to the kind of system and fit for us at BYU. But I would say that I think BYU's got to be pretty interested. I, I don't have that. Um, I've heard that secondhand. But, yeah, I heard that uh, that they're very interested. But he's a kid who will, you know, transfers, especially right now with nothing else going on. Transfers kind of are they're recruited above their level often. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, schools that wouldn't even give them the time of day out of high school come in the second go around uh, just because it's kind of new and intriguing. 
Um, but Matt, he's a great player. He's he's got a chance to be a kid if if he can get you know an opportunity to really kind of shine. And he's not going to be great in a five out system. You know, he's a guy who has to be more traditional. You kind of think Rudy Gobert. I mean, that's kind of the type of player he can be. He can be defensive, you know, wizard blocking shots. But, you know, you get him away from the basket offensively and defensively, and it kind of limits his ability to be effective. So those are just steps he's got to take to get better and also look for where he ends up being a system that kind of plays to that a little more than uh, than a five-out situation would so what percentage of college teams want to go five out and what percentage want to have a true old-school post player in the paint? I think if you just looked at ages of coaches, you know, I think that might give you some. And I'd say that being funny, but I'm being serious. I think I think there's a whole, you know, new movement afoot uh, over the last, I guess, five, six years um, that really values the – you know, the analytics, the three-point line, you know, three-point lines or layups or nothing else. Um, and in those systems, typically, you want a big mobile guy that can block shots, but you also want a big mobile guy that can step away, pick and pop, um, you know, space the floor for a skip, be able to be active and athletic enough to be able to catch it, shot fake, do something with it. So, um I guess my, to break it down on a percentage basis, I mean, I wouldn't even dare guess, but I would say that the trend is definitely moving toward smaller, um, more athletic guys. I guess positionless basketball is, is a term that's used a lot. Um, and I would say that it's probably, that number's probably bigger of guys who want to or are trying to play positionless basketball than the other. Um you know, but again, I think it's a lot of it's based on the come from of the head coach. How realistic is it, it to expect BYU to get the best LDS talent every year? Um, well, the one thing you have to, you know, if you are BYU, if you're working there, if you're if recruiting to there is is important. I think it's vital. Um, you know, it's certainly a, it's kind of a very a difficult thing anymore because these used to be that uh, these kids grew up playing, grew up dreaming of playing at BYU, and you know, not a whole lot of other things got in the way. Um, nowadays, it's uh, I'm telling you just to get a, a really good local player with ties to your university. Uh, that is, you know, shares the same religious beliefs, all that. It, it's crazy how hard that's become compared to when I started, you know, 20 years ago. Um, back then, you'd identify the best players. You'd let them know you're interested. They would get excited and everything would roll. But it's it's important to get the best player. It's important, in my mind, I think you need to get the best LDS player. That was always, always our goal. Um, it's just it's just getting harder to do that now because you know you look at the football side um, and you look at the guys who end up chasing the best LDS athletes and it's a who's who um, and basketball has really kind of become that way too um, you know I remember we had Frank Jackson locked up he was committed he was in the 10th grade 
we kind of got our work done early, and I was in a gym somewhere. I want to say I was back in New York, but we're out there in the summer watching Frank play, and he was just putting on a show. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw Coach K and one of his uh, staff members walk over the side of the court, and I'm thinking, walk away, walk away, walk away. And he goes and doesn't walk away. He actually pulls up a chair and watches him play for the second half. And, you know, that's kind of when you start going, oh, boy, this is going to get tricky. So um, really, really important to get him. Not as easy as it looks. And uh, the way things are going anymore with scouting services, social media, ability to really kind of dig in on any kid, it makes it really, really hard to, to get the LDS kid. Tim Lacombe joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We have heard, and we're going to have uh, Kalani Sataki on here in a little while, um, about all the missionaries coming home and, you know, they're the coming home all at once and they weren't supposed to, and that uh, is going to put them in a numbers crunch. Do you know how the basketball program is set up with that? Do you have any idea who's coming back and how they'll fit and if they'll end up sliding over to other schools because there's going to be too many too many players all at once. Any idea how that'll work out? Um, I know, I think they're fine in terms of, of guys coming home. Um, you know, there are, there are a handful of guys out on mission, but Hunter Erickson just got back about a week ago, week and a half ago. Um, he's a kid we signed from Tim View, who's going to be a great player. He's, uh, I think he's a guy who you watch him play, he kind of reminds you of a Travis Hansen. Very, very great ability to score. But he's got a toughness to him too. Um, I don't think he's as uh, I don't think he's as big a know-it-all as Travis. But I think everything else he's kind of got Travis's game. Nice. Um, but in terms of the other, I don't really know. I don't really know the other the situation very well. Guys coming home um, are guys that have just gone out. I don't think there's a whole slew of them. I think football is going to deal with that way more. Than basketball. I think one thing you will look at, though, is will it postpone or deter guys who are planning to go on missions to maybe not go? And then you've got a guy like Dallin Hall sitting in the wings, right? That um, and guys like that. If something were to happen, if they're postponed, guys going out. And I don't know how any of that's going to work, but that, that certainly would would leave a couple of guys there that you weren't planning on. And but that kind of happens every year, one way or another. Do you think as far as then recruiting the non-LDS athlete for BYU is the best way to go about this through the transfer route or still high school? No, I think I think the, the transfer route has become a very, very uh, great way to introduce BYU to kids. Um, I think out of high school, most kids have their mind made up that they're going to go try to play at some place they're familiar with or they have some familiarity with. Um, or it's a, you know, it's one of those dream things where, you know, Chase Fisher tells the story that when he was recruited out of West Virginia, he was going to, in his mind, he was going to take the very biggest offer that came. And, you know, regardless of his relationship or system fit, I think kids think that a lot. Um, you know, he ended up going to Wake Forest and it didn't work out great for him. And then on the rebound, I think that's where, in particularly Wake, BYU and Pope positioned themselves this year. Um, they got a lot of TV time. They got a lot of uh, great exposure. They had an awesome year. And so I think in the transfer market, you 
you use that and you build on that. And one thing I'm really encouraged about, um, when I was there um, two years ago, um, and uh, we were basically told from upper campus that we're no longer able to recruit grad transfers. That it's just not something that school wanted to get involved with too heavily. Um, and so I knew right then and there that was going to be an issue because everything was trending toward grad transfers. And that's actually probably BYU's best chance to get a kid who's mature, who's graduated already, who's looking for an adventure, um, and then understands, hey, you come out here, you take one visit to the university, they throw on the film of that place sold out, you walk that arena, you see the facilities, you meet the people, and it's over. Um, so one thing BYU's got going for them in a big sense right now is I think campus is totally back in harmony with bringing grad transfers in. Um, and I think transfers all the way around are guys that, you know, they can really help BYU in areas that uh, than maybe a high school kid trying to get his bearings can't. So transfers, and particularly transfers to football and basketball, I would say are, are really, really huge. As big as recruiting out of high school, you got to be in that market for sure. Last thing before we let you go, uh, a couple months ago I thought the coaching carousel would do its normal thing, but nothing is normal now, and from – People who lost a lot of money in the stock market, who may boosters who may not want to write a check to buy somebody out, to the fact that it just looks bad to be spending five, ten, or fifteen million to buy out a coach now, uh, with all the other priorities where the money could be spent that are so much more important. How many coaching changes are there going to be this off season? Well, there were a couple that I was pretty much sure were going to happen, um, and I, just, I over the last couple of days I just saw that a couple of those. They, you know, the AD came out and said, hey, you know, we're not making a change. Um, so I think it affect, it's affecting it big. Uh, as, as Trump would say, it's affecting it bigly, very importantly, bigly. Um, you like when I do that, don't you, DJ? I laughed. Thank you. I didn't think you'd go um, there, and then all of a sudden you did. Look at you. Bigly. Uh, so it's it's one of those things that I think that the uh, – you know that the they just got to take a great look at it. Um, it's got to be something that totally makes sense if you want to make a move. But I, I, I'm with you. I think that money's dried up. Guys aren't wanting to write checks, and I think the PR right now would look worse. I mean, we were right in that season uh, with NCAA tournaments supposedly going on. You know, Final Four coming up. That's this is that season where about every you know, 30 minutes you see on the ticker that somebody either lost a job or got a job. And there's just not that many jobs out there. And my guess is if if this uh, coronavirus continues and, um, you know, we're, we're under these circumstances, that that probably will save a whole lot of college basketball jobs because people don't want to move during it. All right. We appreciate some time. As always, Tim, thanks for checking in. All right, guys. Thank you. Tim LaCombe, former Utah and BYU basketball staffer, Utah Jazz radio studio analyst. Join us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.